If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. I want to thank my pastor, because Pastor Stevon is my pastor. And I want to thank him for the honor and the privilege to be able to come up here and share the Word of God tonight. And, you know, I was thinking, actually, when Benjamin was listening to Tugboat, I walked out to the garage and I started like that. That's one of the hardest tapes for me to listen to. And I started crying. I go, man. Because every time, because I know that was the last one, you know, it was like, man. It's hard for me to watch the video of that. I can't even watch it. Even listen to it. Because I love my pastor. And I love my new pastor. Thank you, pastor. Okay, the sermon title tonight, I'm going to try to do it. goes way back. Jerry Lee Lewis. I know only a couple of you get it. Whole lot of shaking going on. Shake it. I'm not going to say the rest of it, but anyway. <laughs> That's the title because we're doing musical titles. Now, what I want to talk about is a church with great heart. A church with great heart. Many people are searching all over, not only in California, the United States, all around the world, they're looking for a great church. And to many of them, they think it's a church with a lot of programs. They think it may be a church that has many ministries or they have a dynamic worship team. All those things are good. They want a state-of-the-art facility that's to be active, uh, attractive and pleasing to the eye. To some, a great church has coffee outside, Amen where they can have coffee and fellowship. That's what people think when they look for a great church. Nothing's wrong with those things. But did you know that God is also looking and searching for a great church? But the great church that he seeks may not have all the things I just said. In his eyes, the church that is great is the church that humbly acknowledges their need of him. That's the church that's great. The church that seeks his face, they depend on his spirit, people that want to just get a hold of God. See, the great church comes not by works of man, but by the spirit of God. And people are reached and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's a great church. In Acts chapter 4, we see a powerful example of the church with a great heart. This church had a great heart because God was in the middle of it. He was in the midst. I believe that the greatness of the Acts chapter 4 church is the same greatness that God would have for the 21st century church here and now. Everybody say here and now. Now, when I speak to you of a church of great heart, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about a facility. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you. Point to your neighbor and say, you're the church. You are the church with a great heart. We're in the heart of the bay. Ooh, come on now. Right? You are the church. And these things I'm going to give you here this evening, it goes in the large group setting and also in the life group setting to be a great church with a great heart. Now, in this passage, we see what's needed to be a great church for the kingdom of God. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to be moving fast because I got a lot of stuff. I talked to pastor earlier. I said, I'm cutting down my message, man, because there's a lot in Acts. I mean, you can get lost, and all of a sudden, you got 50 pages. 
So I only got 40 left. Just kidding. Just kidding. The foundation and strength of a church with great heart is prayer. It's prayer. Verse 31 says, and when they had prayed, when they had prayed. See, the apostles endured persecution for preaching and ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. They were persecuted for their beliefs. And the religious leaders that threatened them had told them not to speak in his name. And when the apostles got released and came back to the saints, what did they do? They didn't call for a meeting to talk. They didn't discuss and brainstorm a plan of how to handle the threats. They did not ask for man's advice. In the midst of hardship, the church went to prayer. Let me tell you, when you're being attacked, you've got to go to prayer. The world can't help you. Man can't help you. Only God is able to help you. Are you with me here tonight? Look at verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. They knew that in order to persevere and stand firm against the onslaught of the enemies, they needed to approach the throne of God in prayer. Are you with me tonight? See, we have the same enemy, Satan, and his host of demons. What he wants to do is destroy the church. He wants to destroy you because you are the church. That is his plan. That's what he wants to do. He hates the children of God. Amen? You need to know that. That's why you go to phase one, two, and three, because you'll begin to understand all these things. Our enemy comes against us with power and force. After a world conference, the following Monday when we got back, I got hit. I had to go to the hospital two times for my back. And I mean, I was like hurting, hurting. And not only that, worse than the back pain was I was getting depressed. The devil came into my mind. And I felt like dying. I've never felt like that in my life. I was on a mission field for 18 years. Never felt like that in my life. And I was laying there, man, just let it end right now, God. Because I, was, I just couldn't even get out of bed. I would come to church because I'd crawl in anyhow. And I would come to church and act like everything's okay. But I was dying. I felt like, man, everything's falling apart. I have no energy, no strength. I was dying. And they prayed at the altar. Remember that time we prayed for me at the altar? Then he called us up. I wanted more prayer. I came up. He goes, what's wrong? I don't know. I told pastor, I don't know. But then that next day, I woke up early in the morning. God spoke to me clearly. He says, you know what's wrong with you. The enemy's trying to sift you as wheat. So I got out of it. I got up. I got into prayer. I went to the gym that morning. Hello. I said, I ain't going to die for you, devil. I'm okay now. Why? But you got to get up and fight. Nothing else is working. The doctors, we don't know what's wrong with you. I went to the doctors, man. We don't know what's wrong. We don't know what's wrong with you. Man didn't know, but God knew. See, the early church was great because they, they were a church of prayer. It's through prayer that the presence, grace, and the power of God's experience and battles are won. We're going to fight. We're going to fall down, but we get up. We get up and we fight some more. We don't quit. We don't stop. Keep moving forward. Are you with me? If we're going to be that church of a great heart, we need to see the Spirit of God move. 
and see lives turn from darkness to light, from death to life, and discipled in Christ. That's the key. We got to be a church of great prayer. I'm just talking, I'm not talking about just getting on your knees and praying. I'm talking about heaven empowered prayer. I'm talking about hell shaking prayer. I'm talking about wonder working prayer. That when you pray, you know you're touching the throne. You're not just babbling along doing nothing. You know the throne of God is being touched and God is beginning to move within your family, within your life, within our church. Are you with me tonight? People in our congregation have been getting hit. Haven't you noticed? It's time for us to get together and begin to intercede for them. Begin to pray for them. What hospital is Greg in? I'm going tonight. I'm going to lay hands on him. Because you know what? The devil's trying to sift us as wheat. We're not going to let that happen, are we? We're not going to let him win. He's already defeated. Are you ready for number two? A church with great heart will shake in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Verse 31, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. In the Greek root, it means to be distressed, unsettled, and to cause a riot. See, the church experienced a powerful move of God in that place. The presence of God moved in that place and brought a demonstration of the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. See, if we're going to shake Hayward, if we're going to shake the Bay Area, if we're going to shake the world, we need to have the Holy Ghost power. You got to get that shaking in your spirit. Amen? Not, not like the shaking when you haven't eaten. I'm not talking about that. Some of you go, hey, I want to eat. No. Get a hold of God. Let the Holy Ghost begin to shake your spirit. See, we got to get unsettled within our hearts. Not, not satisfied with where we're at. Not satisfied with the status quo. We got to get unsettled. We got to get agitated, so to speak. There's got to be time. We got to begin to cause a riot within the heavens. We got we to use angels to fight these demons, man. Because when we begin to riot in the heavens, you know what happens? It's going to manifest on earth. And things are going to begin to change. Things are going to begin to change. Our life groups are going to explode. Because we're going to be hitting the communities. This church is going to explode. We're going to need a bigger place. Llewellyn, yeah, hallelujah. The hardware store, come on. Shut up, devil. Shut up. Let me lay hands on Greg right now. He's dying over here. Okay, he's okay. He's healed. Lying devil. I've never seen Greg scared before. <laughs> Whole lot of shaking going on, baby. That's what we need if we're going to turn the city upside down. The shaking reassured them that God was with them. They had reassurance. Not only did he demonstrate his power and his presence, he accomplished great things in their hearts. Things, it starts here. The shaking starts here. Then it begins to go out. We used to do shaking the bay. We're going to be shaking the bay, all right. Shaking the heavenlies first. John Stott wrote this. They were shaken to be made more unshaken. Unshaken means not disturbed from a firm position or state. Steadfast, unwavering. Are you with me? 
See, their, tr tr their trust in him became unwavering. It was unshakable. That's how we got to trust God in everything in our lives, with our finances, our lives, our businesses, our jobs, everything. We've got to trust. Do not rely on man. Man will let you down, but God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. Are you with me? A congregation that doesn't have the presence of God is a church that's lifeless and powerless, without strength, unable to stand any attack from the enemy. And they don't even influence the world. They can't impact lives for eternity. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake it. Say it like you mean it. Come on now. Say like, shake it. Oh, come on, shake it. Say it like you mean it. Shake it. Let the devil know you're real, man. When we begin to pray and seek God, a mighty shaking is going to come. A whole lot of shaking going on. A manifestation of power and authority that are going to change hearts and lives. A church with great heart will have a great shaking and become a great witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ in the community, not the church. We all know how to do church. It's time to bring that shaking into the community. That's what it's all about. Ready for number three? Along with the shaking, there's some bacon. I'm just kidding. We don't want to go bacon. Amen. A church with great heart will experience a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Verse 31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God not only demonstrated his power and might, but he filled the apostles and all, everybody say all, the believers with the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, tonight is your night. Because God is going to about to shake you up. He's got to shake you to make you. Are you with me? See, the believers knew that if they continued to preach and they demonstrated signs and wonders, they would need divine power to equip and enable them. See, this moment had come after the day of Pentecost. What does that tell us? We need, a, we need to keep getting filled up. We need to keep getting filled up. We need a fresh filling to empower us, to equip us, to do the ministry that God has called us to do. The apostles had just went through a time of intense persecution, and I believe they were tired, weary, not only in body, but also in spirit. Because when you're persecuted, you feel it. You feel it. Listen, with the new challenges and trials and opportunities just like them, we're going to need a fresh filling of the Spirit to empower us and keep the vision of our ministry moving forward. How many know we got a vision? How many know we got a vision? Our vision is life groups. We're going to take the communities with life groups. That's what we are doing. Get on board. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Start shaking the city. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're doing. That is the vision of our local church. So catch it, get it, do it. See, in this day that we're living in right now, it's not only vital, it's essential because we are an end-day ministry. Look at what's happening around the world. We're this close from World War III. Look what's happening. I mean, blatantly on YouTube, they're just shooting all these people, ISIS or whatever they call it, ISIS. That's crazy stuff, man. Look what they're doing. The world is going nuts. 
I'm afraid to go to San Francisco sometimes. Better go prayed up. You're going to go run for hope. You better run real fast. No, I'm just kidding. The devil's real, fellas. Gals, it's real. The devil fights. He fights. I remember one time in the Philippines, we had a whole family of them that were demon-possessed. And I was just sharing the other day with people in the house that we, were, we prayed for like two or three days straight because they would bounce around from family. There was like about eight or ten of them. I don't know how many. There was a lot of them. And we're praying, wearing ourselves out. And so I went to their house. I broke in. Don't tell anybody. Because they had a stronghold. I had to figure out what it was. So I broke into their house while they were at the men's home. We were all praying for them. I said, I got to get away from them. I didn't tell nobody what I was doing. I broke, I broke away, broke into their house, which is easy. Greg taught me. <laughs> and I found an amulet that the demons were attached to. I broke it. I burned it, got rid of it, and we were able to cast out the devils in that whole family. You got to be careful what people give you. Don't trust people. Don't just take anything. Because the demons attach themselves to items, different things. It's time we're aware of things like that. It's real. It's essential. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, but you shall receive what? When the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be my witnesses. See, we have been giving our marching orders to proclaim a divine message. To carry on a divine ministry. And I believe our ministry is divine. It's ordered by God. And we need power to fulfill our purpose. Are you with me? We're on a mission to rescue souls of men and women from the sin and death and the very gates of hell. That's why we get treasures out of darkness. Because they're right there at the gate. I've been at the gate. I know what the gate smells like. We've been at the gate, many of you. But that's where we go. We go where others fear to tread. Why? Because that's our calling. That's our ministry. That's our power spot. That's our anointing. That's what we do. That's what we do. And we leave the enemy. The enemy is very deceptive, very destructive. We have to understand that. And we leave him shaken. But we got to be filled. Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The promise of Jesus in John 14, 12 holds true today. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to, to my Father. To do these works of Christ... We need a powerful baptism from heaven. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. Like you mean it. Like you mean it. I feel a shaking coming on. I don't know about you guys. I, you know, I feel something happening. I feel something stirring up in this. God's going to do something here. Number four. I only got 12 points. I'm just kidding. A church with great heart will experience boldness. Verse 31, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, God had answered their prayer. Now, what was the cry of their heart? It says in verse 29, 
Now the Lord looked on their threats. No, he said, excuse me. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they, everybody say they, may speak your word. See, in other words, he's just talking, not just talking about himself. He's not just talking about leaders. He's talking about everybody, that they, you are they, that you will have boldness when you speak the word of God, that you will have boldness when you're on the street. You'll have boldness with your family. You'll have boldness at work, at school, wherever you're at. You will have that boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, they had just been persecuted by the Jewish, Jewish leaders. And let me say, these Jewish leaders were demonically motivated. They were demonically motivated. They were trying to stop the gospel. They commanded the apostles that they must not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And look, Acts 4, 19 and 20, this is their response. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, they were compelled to be obedient to the Great Commission. Because it's a command. It's a command. It's not a thought. It's not like maybe you should preach the gospel. It is a command for you and I to go out and reach people for God's honor and glory. It is a command. So they returned to the other believers and they began to pray. And they asked the Lord to give them boldness to continue preaching and ministry. They prayed again. Prayer is the key. The result. There was a mighty shaking of the Holy Spirit, a mighty baptizing of the Holy Spirit. Now, great boldness to preach. See, we face an enemy and an opposition in the world to preach a watered-down gospel. That's what the world wants us to preach. The end times, it talks about each year gospel, that people will fall for that thing. But see, God wants to give us boldness to preach the truth in and out of season. Are you with me? The truth. But we need heaven-sent boldness to do that. We can't worry about hurting people's feelings. We tell the truth with love, but we tell the truth. You're not going to hear a watered-down gospel up here because we tell the truth. We're accountable for that. Everything we say, that's why I get so scared every time I come to the pulpit. I've been doing this for 23 years. And every time I get behind the pulpit, I have a nervous breakdown before I get up here. The whole day I can't, uh, because I'm, I'm the biggest introvert of all time. But I can't let that stop me from doing what God called me to do. I got to preach it. I got to preach it. Are you with me? I don't care what excuse you're using not to operate. Get over it. Preach the truth. Gloria Morales is laughing at me because she knows. She's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but it's good. <laughs> Love you, Gloria. Let me clarify boldness so you guys know what boldness is. Okay, can I do that? Boldness is not arrogance. It is not. It's not cockiness. It's not being harsh. It's not speaking loud. It's not shouting. It's not arguing. It's not debating. It's not being obnoxious. It's not being self-righteous. That is not boldness. That is not boldness. 
boldness they received was divine enablement and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God fearlessly and courageously with grace, love, sincerity, and conviction. That's what boldness is. That's how we speak to people. We love people. We don't start jamming them. You're going to go to hell. No. Love. The hardest demons I ever had to cast out in the Philippines, you know how we did it? By loving the person. Because you'll find that most demon possessions take place because the people feel unloved. They're emotionally in distress. But when you give them love, you just give them a hug, the demon leaves. You don't got to yell at the devil. Give love. Love covers a multitude of sins and everything else in between. See, they spoke the word of God with freedom, not bound by fear. That's how we have to be, church. See, this was a boldness that was not concerned with man's reaction. Did you hear that? Not concerned with their reaction, not even with their opinion, and not even with their threats. Because we speak the world with boldness. See, God is looking for a church with a great heart that has boldness in his spirit. He wants us to speak with Jeremiah boldness. Jeremiah was bold. Look at this, Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19. Are you ready? I'm going to read it for you anyway. Youth are getting down. Come on. That's boldness. Yes. They're shaking up there. I can feel it. I can feel it. Verse 17. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. No matter what they try to pull, it doesn't matter. Because we're coming to a time in our country, man, where it's not okay to be a Christian. It's not okay to have Bible study in school anymore. You can have the Koran. You can do all that stuff, but you can't preach the word of God. You go to school and say, Jesus, they're going to expel you. I agree. Amen? And as pastor said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But we got to be ready for it. The great church in his kingdom will be a church where the gospel of Christ is preached with grace and also no compromise. Grace and no compromise. A church with great heart will not water down the word to please a crowd, but will boldly and bravely proclaim the only gospel that can save somebody and set them free. That's it. See, they were given great boldness to continue doing what God called them to do. And we need that boldness to carry on our vision. Number five, only 15 more to go. A church with great heart will walk in unity. Acts 4.32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, and neither did anyone say that any of his things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's unity. There's unity. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of unity. 
peace. See, where the Holy Ghost is in grace and power, there will be divine unity. In other words, it's, it's unity that man cannot muster up. It's unity that man cannot organize. It's divine unity. Because a lot of us, before we were saved, we didn't like people. Or am I the only one? You know, my mom tripped me out last, time, last year when I visited her. Because, you know, I was always like, introverted and all that stuff. She goes, even when you were a little kid, you wouldn't let me touch you. Like, I don't want to be touched. <laughs> but I didn't even know. But even as a little kid, I didn't like to be touched. She's freaking out. Did something happen? Did somebody abuse you? I go, no. I just don't like people touching me. It took me, listen to this. It took me 10 years of marriage before I let my wife trim my toenails. What do you mean? Ooh, that's a good wife, bro. But yeah, I wouldn't let her do it because I don't like to be touched. It took 10 years. Now I go around and hug everybody. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We hug you and you go like this. Don't hug me. It's true. I've hugged some people and they're like a rot, like a brick. I'm freaking out. A man touched me. Don't laugh. Some of you women are the same way. Not that I would know. I'm married. Amen. We got to be bound together through the Spirit. We need to be bound together. See, only God could bring us into unity. I mean, I'm talking about real unity, not pretending to be unified, but real unity. One heart, one mind, one purpose, one vision, one goal. Unity. But it's our responsibility to maintain it. It's our responsibility. Because the devil always tries to bring what? Disunity. That's his job. He wants you to talk about that sister. He wants you to talk about that brother. He wants you to talk about the leadership. He wants you to talk about this and talk about that because it brings disunity. That's his job. He's good at it. See, this passage says the multitude or all the believers, that's all you, were one heart and one soul. All of us need to capture the heart of our pastor. We have to capture his heart. I learned that in the home when I was, when Pastor Steve was our pastor. Stephen was still a young guy. I was driving to school once in a while. But I, I was in the home and the funny thing was, when I came into the men's home, I had just broke my leg, all kinds of weird stuff. And the first time they brought me to church in Union City, it was on a Sunday night. And I seen Pastor Steve, and it was like, I knew him all my life. Never met him. But my spirit met him. I spent him on that level. And when I went in the home that night, they wasn't supposed to take me in the home because I had stuff broken. But they took me in the home. I spent the rest of my time and the whole time in the home watching what he did. I would watch him walk into the sink. Here's what he did. Is it okay if I move? Thank you. First thing he would do in Union City, Western, he would turn around, you can see. He'd walk in by the sound booth and go like this. See the dust? That's what he would see. 
He would line up all the chairs. He would check all the lining of the chairs. He would walk the next place. He would go up to the altar. I'm sitting at home watching this stuff before the service. And you get down on his hands and knees, pick up Lent. You know him. He did it every service. And I, I, I said in my heart, he hated cobwebs. No cobwebs. I said in my heart, when I get the opportunity to clean the church, he'll never have to do that again. He did it one time. He did it two times. He didn't do it again. Because I had everything lined up perfectly. I had all the lint picked up. The guys in the home hated me. They were mad. Jose knows. He was there. Because I was the only one with a license. I'm not leaving until this thing's clean. I'd have them there till 1 o'clock in the morning sometimes. Cry baby. We're going to clean the church. If you're not going to help, I'll do it myself. I want to see myself in that toilet bowl. I'm serious. Jose knows. You're doing it for God, brother. Clean that thing. They hated me. But I was doing it not only for pastor, but for God. I wanted his heart. Watch your pastor. Watch his heart. Listen between the lines. Are you with me? You got to know his heartbeat, man. They were united in love, faith, purpose, and desire. They wanted to fulfill the vision that God had for them. But they were also united in love and lifestyle. They were devoted. We see that in their life groups. They were devoted to one another. They didn't make excuses not to show up for life group. They were there. They were ready. They knew God was going to move because God moved all the time. He, he, you didn't have to be in a big gathering for God to move. You just go to the life group, and, man, God was moving in every life group on the street corner. It doesn't matter where they met. Where two or more gathered. There I am in the midst. I'm shaking things up. God would move. They had nothing. They just said, you know, we had everything in common. They not only loved God, but they expressed it. By loving and looking out for one another. Selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-agenda was not acceptable in the early church. It wasn't. As Pastor Fernie said when he talked about Ananias and Sapphira, it was not accepted. Hello? If we want to be that church with a great heart, showing a dying world that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we got to be unified. That's what it's going to take got to be devoted. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And he prayed for our unity in John 17, 21, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may also be one in us, that the world, everybody say the world, may believe that you sent me. That's what happens when we're in unity. It changes the world. Because the, the world, they need to know Jesus. Divisions in the church will disgrace our Lord. Did you know that? That's a disgrace. And what it does, it hardens the hearts of the unbeliever even more. When they walk into church and it's disorganized, there's backbiting, there's all this stuff going on, he said, why do I need to go there? I get that at home. I get that in the world. I get that in the gang. I don't need all that. What's the difference? They want a place where they can come in and feel love where they can feel that the Spirit of God is moving, that we really, really love it, even when we hug them, they don't like it. But they begin to see our hearts. Six, 
Getting closer to closing. A church with great heart will demonstrate power. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. See, great power in the early church was not a power of man's strength and ability. It wasn't with human influence. This power was dunamis power. The Greek word dunamis meaning energy, power, might. Are you with me? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The power of the Spirit in signs and wonders will confirm that his word is alive. God wants to give you that power because it's a confirmation of who he is. It's confirmation of his word. Some people think, well, I can never do that. I'm not that. Yes, you are. The same Holy Spirit is working in you today. Don't think you can't do miracles, signs, and wonders, that you can't pray for the sick and they'll get healed. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. My Bible doesn't say differently. My iPad Bible says you can do all things through Christ. Don't limit yourself. You put God in a box. You make excuses why you can't go to this country, right? You can't do this. You can't do that. I remember going to a church. I'm not going to say which church it was. It wasn't around here. And I went to preach. You know, I was already a missionary for about 15 years or so. And a guy, the head usher, nothing against head ushers. I love head ushers. He told me, he goes, I was called in 1975 to go to the mission field. And he wanted like a pat on the back. Why are you still here? Why are you still here? Get on a plane. Get up on it. Thought I was going to hug him, give him a pat on the back. I love him, but get on it, dude. See, God wants to move in power. I remember the first time I went to the government rehab in the Philippines, and it's called Bikutan. Maybe you guys will go there. And we went in, and they got all these passengers. They all take a, a certain unit, right? And I told the commandant, they call him commandant, commandant, I want the worst one. I want the guys that are hardcore, the guys that keep coming back. I want to go to that one. Nobody else wanted it anyway. Sure, go ahead. So I went over there. I had an interpreter with me. And I began to preach the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a cage, they had a demon-possessed guy. He was in a cage by himself. And there was like 300 guys in this big room. They weren't coming out. They weren't coming out. They were looking through the windows, checking me out. You know, what's this white boy doing here? And I began to preach, and this demon started going mouth and off in perfect English. Perfect English. I said, in Jesus' name, devil, shut up. And he fell down and dropped. Everybody came out. Everybody came out. Every, almost every single one of them received Jesus Christ that day. Not only that, they were putting in requests for Bibles. And I got called to the commandant's office. I got, what did I do? Aktun, aktun. So I go in there. I go, what's, what's going on? He goes, what are you doing over there? I go, preaching the word of God. He goes, they're all asking for Bibles. I go, that's a good thing. Give them Bibles. He goes, but what are you doing? I go, I'm just preaching the word of God. And these guys were hungry. These were the worst of the worst in the Philippines. They couldn't get off the road. Even actors were in there. One actor that I led to the Lord. Just a dofi, man. Dofi. But see, that's the power of God. That's what God wants to do through your life. Was I trained in that? No, I don't even know what I was doing. We just got there. We drove up. I wanted something to do. So I found a government rehab. I went in there. 
And that's how it started. See, a church without power is like a Ferrari without an engine. Put that in your spirit. It looks shiny, it looks good, it looks great, but it ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. A church without dunamis power sits still. It doesn't move. It doesn't go anywhere. And they will not see changed lives, and eventually it will die. And lastly, everybody say amen. Lastly, number seven. I cut it down. Trust me. A church with great heart will be full of grace. Full of grace. Verse 33. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or they can put it up there. And great grace was upon them all. Another translation reads as this. And divine help was given to them all abundantly. See, God's grace was upon every believer. His unmerited favor. You know what my definition is, a personal definition of God's favor? I think you're going to like this. They're shaking up there. My definition of God's favor is front of the line. Front of the line. Front of the line. See, when we were in the Philippines, God allowed us to do many things that should not have happened. We were featured on 700 Club Asia many times. I was even in a studio on TV many times. They featured us as a victory outreach. We were even on secular TV about three or four times. This shouldn't have happened. I mean, I was walking at the Palenque, and they go, oh, we've seen you on TV. We've seen you on TV. We've seen you. Man, you got to really watch your testimony when people see you on TV. I've had meetings with many city officials including in, uh, national government officials. I've met and sat down in meetings with six different mayors, two governors. Could you imagine that? This guy, I hadn't even complete high school. Here I am sitting down with these dignitaries, and they eat them up big. I'm telling you that right now. The director of the NBI, which is the FBI for them, the NBI, he call, she calls me in, and she wanted to ask my advice about rehab. See, that's all God. I had nothing to do with it. I am not that charismatic, believe me. Ask anybody. I'm an introvert. I told you that. It was all God. God set us up. That's God's mercy, front of the line. It's God's favor, God's grace. Listen, God wants to do things in and through your life that you can never imagine. You just got to trust him. Step out. But I want to tell you, the word grace used in this passage also refers to God's grace operating in and through the believers in work and power. Not only apostles and leaders being used, but all the believers. Everybody was laying hands. Everybody was moving in the spirit. You know, we, we just think it was the leaders. No, it's everybody. Everybody was filled and refilled and refilled. They were charged up. They were ready to go. They were shaken. They were shaking. Just give me opportunity. Oh, show me what I can. Oh, show me a sick person. Oh. They were just fired up. They were shaking inside, ready to move for God. They were all like that, every one of them. Today, we need a shaking of God. AJ can come. Come on, man. See, we need it not only in our congregation, not only in our life groups. We need to shake the city, man. There's got to be a whole lot of shaking going on around here. 
You got to get ready for it. Get ready for it. And I, I want to challenge you to let God shake you up this evening. Let God shake you up. Don't let it be the same old, same old all the time. Let God do something in you. Because he, he, he died to use you. That's why he died. Not just to cleanse you from sin. Yeah, he did that. He loves you. Yeah, he did that. But he wants to use your life. Let him shake you up tonight. Let him do what he has to do. Let him equip you with gifts of grace. So not only you will be built up, but those around you will be built up. See, the church with great heart is where the grace of God is present and reaching and changing lives for eternity. Don't let past mistakes, don't let past failures, past hurts stop you from what God wants to do in your life. God wants to give you that resurrection power here this evening. He wants to resurrect your spirit so you can do a mighty work for him. Let him touch you. Close your eyes with me. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will begin to move in the hearts of everyone here. We need that res power that's going to shake the world, God. That you're going to move in power and might. We need to have a foundation of prayer. We need your presence, God. We need that baptism over and over and over again in our lives. Fill us, God, with boldness. Let us walk in unity to fulfill this vision that you have given us. Demonstrate your power, your power through our lives. And let your grace abound, God. I want to challenge you. If God has spoken to your heart and you say, I know there's more. I know I've been hurt in the past. I know I, I feel weak inside. I know, I know I've been hit by the devil. I, I know I got these hang-ups, these things that hold me back. I know I got all these things. But we got a God that can do the impossible. There's nothing impossible for my God. He wants to reach down into your spirit tonight. He wants to shake you up. He wants to shake you up so you can shake the world for his honor and his glory. I want everybody to stand with me here this evening. And we're going to worship Jesus right now. And if you feel that this message has touched your heart, you want to get to the next level, I want you to, this altar is open. This is where the shaking begins, right here. It starts right here. This is it.